I am Jacob Appel. I'm Alex Evans. I'm Michael Roslow. I'm Taylor Pletcher. And I'm Nicole McComb. And this is... Cancelled! So I heard your mom cancelled Spongebob when you were growing up? I know, I wasn't allowed to watch it. Man, that's crazy. Man, that's, that's funny. Speaking of cancel culture, um, I mean, I know it's probably not exactly relating to Spongebob, but... Uh, you know, it's something that's really going on in our world right now, the practice and uh, tendency of engaging in mass canceling as a way of expressing disapproval and exerting social pressure. So I'm sure having Spongebob canceled for you was quite traumatic. Yeah, yeah, very traumatic. Yeah, nowadays I feel like there's cancel culture in almost every aspect of our lives. I know a big one is canceling people through the internet. Mm-hmm. You know, the internet gives out information for everyone and by everyone. But the internet also allows for democracy through change and it's through everyday citizens, which gives a lot of power that wasn't there before. Uh, Canceling people on the internet, especially politicians and these other people that are huge in pop culture, helps take away their voice and therefore their power. And that's something that we always haven't had the chance to do. Uh, Cancel culture has definitely taken over the internet in multiple ways. Uh, And for today, I'd want to talk about the relationship between cancel culture and Twitter. Mm -hmm. Uh, The internet's kind of become this master medium for feeding this desire for information. And through the internet, we can upset the balance of power. Uh, We can send information, but we can also take information away in a way. Um, And through the rise of cancel culture, we can kind of adapt and personalize our experience with social media. And I think that's a big thing that cancel culture does. Um, You know, politicians nowadays try to overrun the internet to maintain the status quo and to push their agendas, but they're also kind of being subordinated now through cancel culture. Um, One way definitely we saw this was through Donald Trump ban from Twitter, um, where many of his supporters were saying he was just unfairly blacklisted and banished and like everyone's being canceled these days. But did he really get canceled or was that like a kind of a bigger thing was it just part of like everyone's being canceled or did he deserve it more than that Mm -hmm. I think that at least in Donald Trump's case he really kind of pushed the narrative of the far right Mm -hmm. and I think predominantly those on Twitter are more left-leaning so I don't think in his case at least you know, it was something of a, a mass conspiracy, conspiracy um, but really more of something that was innate to him. But he did make his own social media, so... He did. He, he did didn't get canceled from Twitter, but is he canceled forever? <laughs> He's got... What is it called? Does anyone know? Um, no. But, I mean, that's probably for a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, cancel culture kind of takes away the power from those who have always had it kind of thing. Like, who's the most upset about being canceled and who normally gets canceled? Um, You know, I think a lot of the times it's kind of a bigger thing on, like, race and that kind of thing. You know, people have to be accountable now for what they say and how they're portraying their dominance in society Mm -hmm. and their platform. I think another politician who's like really important to talk about is Justin Trudeau, and he's yeah. the Prime Minister of Canada. So he ended up doing blackface. So I think it's important to explain all the context behind this. So 
He's a white man, and one incident happened back when he was in high school, and to imitate a civil rights activist, he wore blackface makeup and Afro wig, and this would be bad enough on his own, but he also did it again in 2001 when he was a teacher, and he ended up going to an Arabian Nights party, and he wore a turban and robes, and he was the only guest that ended up darkening his skin to mimic brownface in this case. So he did blackface and brownface, and reporters asked him about the incident. He couldn't recall how many times it happened, and he said it wasn't racist. Uh, at, didn't think it was racist at the time, but understands now, regrets what happened. You know, the standard response when politicians are caught up to take accountability for their actions. And even despite this, coming out before the election, he still won the election in Canada. So I think this really opens up the discussion of, does cancel culture even work? Do people actually get canceled? Because the world leader of Canada was caught doing blackface multiple times and still won the election. And in my opinion, cancel culture doesn't seem very effective if the leader of Canada is still leading after that incident, right? Like, imagine if a politician in the United States, like Donald Trump, got caught doing blackface. Like, <laughs> would his base even care? Would he have still won 2016? So I think these are important things to think about, right? As this was blatantly racist, and black people in Canada, they only make up 3% of the population. So I think this brings up this big issue of race in politics, mm -hmm. in which the mass majority group of whiteness still elected Trudeau. So I'd like to open the discussion to y'all on this topic to get your thoughts. And I want to ask, does cancel culture end up with people actually getting canceled and relating this topic to race and politics? You know, these incidents happened like around like what, 2001, right? And I saw people like start to defend Trudeau, you know, saying this is like so long ago, but it, it wasn't. Um, it, something being a long time ago and not being okay does the time doesn't make it better um and this happened in 2001 not like you know 1920 it's never been okay in the 2000s and the 90s even you know back in the 1920s it wasn't okay then um and i'm not surprised trudeau still won the election after the incident you know we're talking about race black people only make up three percent of canada white people are able to just brush that off because it doesn't matter and we're able to continue electing politicians that don't always represent the whole of the people and you know the the majority group does what's best for them they don't they don't care about the minorities um and i think that's you know extremely problematic for people to just let that slide and it it, it kind of it kind of shows that cancel culture doesn't really work it just kind of exists yeah because you're always you know the people that cancel culture isn't going to always change people's deeply rooted ideologies exactly it's, you know you're, if you want to support someone, you're still going to support them. You're going to defend them no matter what. You're still going to follow them. You're still going to mm -hmm. believe everything. And like, you're going to be like, that was just a mistake. Yeah, like yeah. it was a huge mistake. The I ones feel. that do the camp. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, I feel like it's just like more of like a moment. They like make a mistake and then like, you know, they're canceled for a little bit. And then like mm -hmm. a few months, maybe months, years, I don't know. And then it's just brushed off. Like it's, you know. Exactly. Like, Everyone forgets yeah. about it. Yeah, it's right. forgotten about. <laughs> and the ones that do the counseling are the ones that don't like them to begin with. So, mm -hmm. like, for you to get canceled by your own actual base, that just it doesn't happen. You're getting canceled by people that weren't supporting you anyways. So, what That's did a good it point. do? What yeah. did it do? I think a really important part 
of that. And Alex, I mean, you did touch on this, is only 3% is being represented yeah. um, by the black community in Canada, which if we compare that to the United States, there's a massive difference. And so you can really see why, for instance, in the United States, we had the Black, Live, black Lives Movement matter. Mm -hmm. The Ooh. Black Lives <laughs> Matter movement. Got it, we got it. Got a little tongue twisted there. Uh, versus in Canada where you don't see those types of things. Mm -hmm. um, so I really think geographically as well, I mean, you're, you're looking at a geographical population that is heavy on one race as opposed to another. And so, you know, Trudeau, as prominent as he may be and a world figure, if his country doesn't, I don't want to say don't, doesn't care about the discrimination, but if it's not a big enough issue that they're willing to elect somebody else, I think what the problem is lies in, you know, systemically within the mm -hmm. population itself, maybe not even so much in Trudeau. Absolutely. I don't know a ton about this. Was he ever asked to like step down or anything or like did this happen and he still got elected? You said? Yeah, it happened before the election and he still got elected despite all this coming out. So that's yeah. the big controversy, right? Yeah, huge. Um, you know, kind of talking on these topics, um, I kind of want to raise an eyebrow to politicians in general. Um, I feel that a lot of these politicians, they really support a narrative that is only great to their base. Mm -hmm. I feel like politicians need to accept their role in constructing societal change in general, regardless of their viewpoints. Engage in vig vigilant anticipation and teach others and encourage others to be thoughtful and respectful in their discourse and to ensure that they're not placing the burden of fighting racial justice just on the backs of those fighting it. They should be in there joining the fight and really being a voice for those without one. Um, and, you know, for people like, you know, Donald Trump, who have unfortunately, you know, been very direct in their approach to racial discrimination versus people like Barack Obama, um, even other. And, it's, you know, it's not separated to just Republican and Democrats. Uh, for instance, John McCain was a prominent figure in 2008 running for election. And in his rhetoric, you never found instances of anti-black, anti-African-American, mm -hmm. um, you know, words that he was speaking. You really only see that now when times are so much more divisive, especially with the prominence of Donald Trump in the media. Absolutely. I mean, I was a bit too young to remember that, but no offense. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Aging myself here a bit. But um, I do remember in uh, was it McCain's speech where he um, contested the election, and he he was like, "You need to support uh, Barack Obama. You need to you need to do this." Absolutely. And we didn't, we didn't see that. Yeah, and you we know, didn't there's see that nowadays. There was one viral clip too of, and this is so reminiscent to what you kind of see now, and how Trump kind of agitates this behavior. But there was a, a lady at one of McCain's rallies who came up to McCain. Um, you know, she was separated from the audience and she asked McCain on the microphone, you know, if he's going to defeat Barack Obama because Barack Obama isn't a um, isn't a American citizen mm -hmm. and all of these other things. And McCain instantly shut her down and said, no, he's a great individual. He's an American citizen. 
and a lot of positive praise to Obama, who was his opponent. Nowadays, when we look at Donald Trump and his rhetoric towards other politicians that are against him, you really get to see the difference of where we were versus where we are now. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember that. I think that race has almost become sort of like a political weapon in today's society with the political parties getting further apart. So this is really scary to see where this will go in the future. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, we can see um, how in the United States, how race is uh, being, or racism is being projected. Uh, when Georgia passed the, the voting restriction law back in 2001 mm. that made a state that was slowly shifting blue um, made it a million times harder for people to vote. Um, there was, they had to bring IDs, which is something that not all states require for, you know, for better or for worse. Um, and they also made it so you couldn't pass out water to people waiting in line for voting. So silly. Which people have to wait hours in line because there's not enough booths for largely populated areas. Anyways, um, but what I was bringing that up in is the MLB, they were going to have their all-star game there in 2001. And when that voting rights was passed, the MLB was like, mm, we don't like that. <laughs> and so they pulled out and they, they ended up doing it in uh, Colorado, I believe. But um, the, the governor of Georgia, he cried cancel culture. And I've got a little quote here. He said... Georgians and, and all <laughs> it's a weird word. Georgians. Georgians and all Americans should know what this decision means. It means council culture and partisan activities are coming for your businesses. They're coming for your game or event in your hometown. But is it is it council culture if yeah. a, a company saying hey? Don't pass racist legislation. Just that is so such a privileged statement. Like right. your privilege to go to this all-star game is mm-hmm. so much more important than someone's privilege to vote and right. to have like the easy right like to vote. That is just so. And let's be real. Isn't that dumb? It's so dumb. Like we're not handing out water to people who are thirsty. Yeah. Like isn't that just such a mind-boggling concept to think of that in a country that prides itself on freedom, in a state that prides itself on freedom and the First Amendment, mm-hmm. the Second Amendment, the entire Constitution, that it's almost hypocritical, you know, when you really think of, I guess, like that Trump-esque Republican far-right persona of, you know, make America great again. It doesn't really sound like that's the goal. Right. Well, and that's the big thing about cancel culture is everyone says it's attacking your free speech. You can say whatever you want. You're just not free from the consequences of whatever you say. Yeah, exactly. And that's what people don't understand, especially when they cry. Cancel culture is ruining our lives. Right. The article I was reading about this, uh, Scott Ulcer, he's the the author, and he, he brought up the question of, like, what distinguishes cancel culture with just, like, holding people accountable for their actions? And he talked about how... The first cancel culture was, like, back during, like, the civil rights era, where people were trying to cancel, um, like, segregation. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, it it seems like cancel culture has always been a thing, and sometimes it kind of brings good things. I think a lot of people here would say that getting rid of segregation was good. So... I would say that. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. (laughs) It's nice. (laughs) But, yeah, it's just... What's the difference between cancel culture and just making shitty people... Do not do shitty things. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 
It, it really comes down to, I think, some of the more extremes that voice their opinion and have a base. I mean, mm-hmm. look at some of the far-right political figures, um, you know, Ben Shapiro, um, Crowder on YouTube, who have really, I mean, to their credit, have really formed a solid business and have this massive following. But when their rhetoric is, you know, very contrusive to only their base, you know, that's great for them, but you still have the entire rest of the population that will negatively benefit. Mm -hmm. Um, Negatively benefit is kind of a weird way to say that, but who are going to be negatively affected, I should say, um, by the thoughts and the ideas that are circulating, uh, you know, in those small circles. And, And so on that point, you know, with those small circles, I think it lends itself to some of the mainstream content that we see circulating as well. You know, it's not just YouTube, but it's also, you know, mainstream shows like Family Guy, American Dad, and South Park. Yeah, and speaking of South Park, um, I actually, there was an article I was reading um, called Crazy Cripples and the Transformative Body Politics of Disability and Race Watching South Park in the Age of Cancel Culture. Um, This article discussed the controversial content in South Park, which I think we're all aware is very... They tend to take on taboo topics, and the show's existence has challenged long long before the era of cancel culture, I think. Um, um, Specifically, the episode Crazy Cripples, um, which was... um, broadcast in 2003 this episode portrayed disabilities in a very negative light um and then also another episode um uh was about trans rights um south park addressed its failure to handle trans rights appropriately with trans friendly Mm -hmm. with a trans friendly episode um called the sissy (laughs) 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 um but um, so it's crucial to um, interpret the stereotypes present in South Park because they could represent uh, counter hegemony. Um, these kinds of depictions could actually work to privilege minorities. Um, and in the article, um, someone named Everellis um, talked about transformative body, body politic. <laughs> Um, the transformative body politics of disability and race located in South Park is one that uncovers how identities are produced, circulated, and consumed in the hopes of empowering audiences to think critically, creatively, and differently about the material effects of the stigmatization of certain social signifiers such as race and disability, among others. So I'm like wondering, like, should South Park be canceled for? <laughs> you know, I, I feel like I'm torn because there are some episodes of South Park, and it's something that I grew up with that I find absolutely hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes they do definitely cross the line. I think I saw that one episode that you were talking about about the cisgender, and in that episode, one of the main characters decides at random that he is no longer a boy. That he is a transgender so that he can get his own bathroom. So I think when cartoons like this, and I, I, in my opinion, I think it should be somewhat regulated by the government, but, well, for the reason specifically being that, they are kind of creating an image that everybody, maybe I don't know 
like what it's like to be trans. I know nothing about, you know, that process, mm -hmm. right? It is completely foreign to me. I know the word. That is it. Now, the only thing I'm going to associate it with is that South Park episode. And so now it's, well, what I know about trans people is that they do it to get something. Yeah. Right. So that's obviously incorrect, but it's the perception that a lot of people may have because of this type of media. And I think that if there were some sort of political or government regulation on it, then, you know, you might see a reduction in this type of media and the type of thought process surrounding, you know, transphobia or whatnot. I think, I think the interesting thing about with like shows like this, with the, like South Park and like Always Sending in Philadelphia, is I feel like a lot of the time that the main characters are portrayed as just assholes. Like, not oh, yeah. people that you should actually like or that you should be like, they have good opinions. Absolutely. Like, there, what, there's an uh, Always Sunny episode where one of the main characters goes to a um, anti-abortion rally um, just to hook up with women, which is, <laughs> it's insane. And you watch that and you're like, oh, he's a terrible person. And I feel like that's what South Park does a lot of the time, all the time. But where, like, you're just like, oh, these are terrible children who say terrible things. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure a lot of America doesn't have a lot of media literacy. But I'm hoping that, like, sometimes you're able to watch it and go, oh, I shouldn't act like them because they're the assholes. Yeah. I think that sometimes maybe shows like that and depictions like that can almost work to subvert, like, the dominant ideology. Mm -hmm. Like you see all these terrible stereotypes and you're like, well, these people aren't really actually like that. Like, those with disabilities aren't really how they're being portrayed in the mm -hmm. show. Transgender people are not like that. And I'm sure there's, like like you said, with media literacy, maybe people do just take it at face value. Yeah. But I think it's a complicated thing. Because I think sometimes the stereotypes can also work because they're so stereotypical. and Or maybe not because they are, but... By seeing all of these, like, outrageously negative things, you can kind of put into perspective, like, no, that's not real. Yeah. That's not how it really is. Do you think that America in general is sp smart enough to make that distinction? And do you think that there should be some sort of political intervention between it? I think that getting the government involved is going too far. Yeah. I'd have to disagree with you because I think it goes down a slippery slope of what what else can the government do if they're getting involved in South Park, right? So this isn't <laughs> this isn't gonna be the popular. Government needs to check themselves first. <laughs> well, and I'm sure the South Park creators they're aware of what they're doing, oh, like yeah. very Absolutely. much. Like the only reason I think it continues is because. People find it's it's real stuff like yeah. it's real and people find you know there's people that find it funny but yeah. it's like hey, good money actually fucked up like it's, it's really fucked you know, up good money on being fucked up yeah exactly so I think that's and it's very popular South Park's a very popular yes. show so yeah but it's interesting like the distinction between like characters on South Park making comments and like people in real life making mm -hmm. comments making those same like, comments thinking they're funny yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I think that we are about at our time right now. I know I need to make some dinner. 
because my wife is getting cranky and I've received four text <laughs> messages in the last five minutes. Oh, I'm about myself to cancel. 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 Yeah, I'm about to be canceled by my wife. You guys will not see me in class next time. Um, so I think this is us signing off. I'm Jake. I'm Alex. I'm Michael. I'm Taylor. And I'm Nikki.